what we've learned is that first and foremost, just from a pure cost perspective, you're going to be paying approximately one fifth from a cost of living perspective in St. Louis than what you're going to be paying on the coast. So significant savings in what you're spending, but also allowing your investment dollars to stretch a lot further within the business to help accelerate your growth. Welcome to a bit cryptic podcast where we interview top crypto experts to take you down the rabbit hole into the world of cryptocurrency. Now, it's time to get a bit cryptic. Hey everyone, this is Dong Du, editor of The Cryptic. I'm sitting here in St. Louis. I've just attended a forum on inclusive finance hosted by Singularity University. Now, what's Singularity University? It's a place where it's inspiring people about exponential growing technologies and inspiring them, helping them to use it to tackle global challenges. What does that mean? Well, we think that technologies affect society in a linear fashion or incrementally. But in reality, in our modern marketplace, in our modern society, technologies is shaping us exponentially. For example, technologies like artificial intelligence and machine learning, they're doubling our output, they're doubling our data year by year. It's not every three years or every five years like we used to think. So what about banking in our pocket? So often we think of these technologies as a smartphone having a supercomputer in our pocket. But what about having a, a bank in your pocket? That's possible too because we have applications that allow us to connect to banks and financial institutions. But what if you don't have a bank account? In fact, that's over 1 billion people around the world don't have access or full access to financials, financial services that we take for granted. But how do we connect those people to financial services? Blockchain technology can potentially help those people. And that's one of the themes that the panel here talk about today. I'm sitting here with Ryan Dixon. He's the CEO of Off The Chain Capital. He's managing the firm, managed the, their digital currency and their blockchain assets portfolio, portfolio. And he's also the chief operating officer of Capital Innovators, mm -hmm. uh, their tech accelerator. And they're really helping to build out the innovative ecosystem here and to help startups uh, bring their ideas to market. Brian, with that, you know, thank you for staying down with us. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. So please uh, tell us you know, a little bit about yourself and why is it you came today? Yeah, so a little bit about my background. I'm from St. Louis. I grew up here. Uh, I was actually in law school at Washington University when I first learned about blockchain and Bitcoin technology. And this was back in early 2012. And I became completely infatuated with what its opportunities could be in the future. And I started doing all this research in my free time. And I had all these Google Docs and all these folders across my drive. And I go, you know what? I've got so much information on this. I need to aggregate it and put it together in a more cohesive manner just so I can understand it better. So what I did was I took all the information that I had collected and I was researching and I ended up writing two books on the subject matter. I wrote a book called Bitcoin Basics 101, which was basically about taking Bitcoin, the technology, blockchain, and then breaking it down in layman's terms so that just the average person could understand it and it wasn't so technical. And then I also wrote Block Party on the Blockchain. And that was a book around startups in the cryptocurrency and blockchain-based space what their value propositions were, the venture firms that were investing in these companies, and then my predictions on where I thought the future of this market was going to go. 
And so that was really the time in my life when I decided, you know what, this is a space that I 100% need to become involved in. And I started dedicating my energy towards a path there. And so I finished up school. I decided that I, you know, I worked at the law firm for a couple months after that. And then I decided to take the shift and I dedicated all of my energy to finding something in the technology sphere. And I came across Capital Innovators here in St. Louis. And at the time, there was the CEO and one other individual that were running the organization. And I came in, I learned more about it, and I decided, you know, this is something that could really help me make my entryway into the technology sphere. I didn't have a technical background. My degree was in English and sociology, and then I got a legal background. And so I started interning as an unpaid internship just to get to know people, to get to know the space. And Capital Innovators was investing primarily in just tech startups at the time and running a 12-week accelerator program. A couple months after that, I was able to take over in a full-time role where it was just myself and the CEO. And then uh, we grew the organization from there. So over the last five years, we've grown the portfolio. We've invested in over 100 startup companies in energy, consumer products, in the technology verticals. About 85% of those companies are still operating and growing. Uh, we've helped them raise over $300 million in follow-on capital and created a little over 1,000 jobs, about 85% of which have stayed in St. Louis. But that whole time that I was in the venture space, I kept getting pulled back into the blockchain and cryptocurrency space. I've been an active investor in it since 2012. I had begin, began to diversify across other crypto assets, really learning how these markets were operating and behaving, completely uncorrelated to other asset classes. And then... I started getting some opportunities where I would have larger organizations or startups that really wanted to take what I had learned and figure out how they could implement blockchain into their existing business structures. And so because of that, I also co-founded a business that was basically blockchain strategy and okay. consulting. And so I was able to work with multinational corporations all the way down to startups all around the world to really help them understand from a strategy perspective how they could adopt blockchain and how it could provide value to their bottom line. And over the years, as I've continued to develop that, I reached a point where I thought, you know, we're reaching a level of maturity with crypto assets now. We're having universities even starting to invest in this asset class that I'm ready to move and transition into this space to provide other limited partners and interested investors the opportunity to get exposure to the crypto asset class. Talk to us a little bit about off-the-chain capital because it's a um, more recent initiative of yours. Does it focus mostly on crypto investments? Does it have a consultancy side or you know, what, what is the thesis surrounding the, the business? Absolutely. So the actual firm itself is focused just on crypto and investments. And anything I do from a blockchain consulting perspective is not done with the, with the off-the-chain firm. Huh. However, the strategy that we have with it is we're very long-term on blockchain and crypto assets. We think the market is still very much in its infancy and it's going to continue to propel over the course of the next 10 to 20 years. And so the strategy and how we analyze what we're looking at from an investment perspective is very much like a venture capital investment in my eyes. You know, you're always analyzing new protocols, new teams, new technologies. What is their potential for disruption? How will they be used in different markets? And so we consider the protocols that we're looking at very much like how I would consider a venture capital investment in a tech startup per, per se. And so um, with that, and also with my work with different corporations and universities around the world, 
I get some insights into how they're looking to adopt this technology. So it really provides a great opportunity for me to identify emerging crypto assets and protocols that could be valuable to them, but also valuable from an investment perspective. Okay. So are you actively investing in some projects or have you officially launched? Or Yeah. So we, we have been actually providing allocations to some of the more mature asset classes right now in the crypto space. And then we will continue to evaluate those as we deploy and allocate capital from the firm. And uh, as part of the strategy as well, we will be evaluating some of the more experimental long tail bets that we could get exposure to early on as that technology is developing and really analyze that team and its network and see how that could potentially capture value in the market moving forward. And um, what shapes your thinking on evaluation of you know the, these new technologies is uh, kind of shaped uh, by uh, your your VC experience, like traditional financing. Yeah. So that comes from the the capital innovators mm-hmm. organization. So talk to us a, a little bit about that. The, the the accelerator, capital innovators, accepts startups mm-hmm. and uh, help them scale. Talk to us some of the more interesting projects you're seeing. There are, are any of them using uh, blockchain technology? They are absolutely. So there was an investment recently made by a company or by our company into a blockchain-based company that tracks data flows through business processes across organizations. Mm-hmm. So if you think about a large financial institution, for example, they have data flowing all over the place internally with the organization. What this startup does is they take how that data flows. They put a blockchain layer next to their technology, so they're not actually infiltrating their data from a security perspective. Mm-hmm. They're basically a, another layer on top of that. But what happens is as that data flows from one department to another, they're tracking that whole transaction and they're storing it on the blockchain. So then when it comes to the end of the month, when you have your auditing and reporting agencies that come by and they want to make sure you're doing things like you should be, you can basically reference their software platform and, and show exactly how the data moved throughout the organization, saving organizations 90% of their time and money as opposed to how they do it now where they're manually going through Excel spreadsheets and they're analyzing where the data moved, what were the transactions that took place, and then providing that to the auditors. So are they early stage? Do they have a product or platform launched or are they working with clients? They are. They're working with clients. So the individual who founded this company came from the corporate space working with large enterprise financial institutions. So he had some great relationships there and was really able to get a foothold in that industry by helping providing the technology. Okay. To so this, uh, I gather, is uh, related to regulatory compliance mm-hmm. or RegTech, as uh, we would like to call it. And uh, if folks are not aware, is uh, with all the with the new financial uh, requirements with you know Dodd Frank uh, and uh, all the new financial reforms there, um, financial institutions really had to step up uh, their game in order to uh, meet those demands. And on top of you know the decades of legacy uh, technology and the infrastructure that they were dealing with, and so uh, and and that's why I I could see. Um, someone like this um, can really uh, establish their competitive advantage. Mm-hmm. But you're, you and the projects that uh, you support are, aren't just involved in, in financial industry, in, in the financial industry, but in a number of other markets as well, right? I, I, I read that you're involved in the, the energy technology as well. Yeah. So uh, tell, tell us a little bit about uh, what you're seeing there. Yeah, absolutely. So we actually created through Capital Innovators a 
opportunity for a utility company, which is Ameren. They cover Missouri and Illinois. And we also partnered with a statewide university system that covers the state of Missouri. And we created an energy technology focused accelerator program. And so what we do with that is we source brand new innovations in the energy space from around the world. And then we comb them down to we choose the top five to seven businesses that we find that apply. And after we do our due diligence on them, we will bring them in, we'll make investments into those companies, and then we'll engage them with the utility. So they're getting hands-on mentorship from the employees within the actual larger organization. And so these early stage energy companies are getting a huge leg up in their industry because sometimes in the energy space, it can take one to three years to get a pilot with an energy company. And so be able to get that from the very earliest stage to get that engagement with them, which which could turn into a pilot in the future, it puts them in a huge competitive advantage in the market. But basically what we're doing is we're identifying new energy technologies. We're sourcing them, we're bringing them to St. Louis, we're running them through our 12-week accelerator program in conjunction with the energy and the university state system, through which are our partners with this. And we are helping them cultivate their solution so they can deploy it in the energy sector. So there's a lot of hype and noise around how blockchain can be a disruptor to the traditional energy market. Mm -hmm. uh, do you think blockchain technology is living up to that hype based on your experience working in this market? Yeah, so I think it is. it still has a lot to mature and mm -hmm. adapt. But we have made uh, several blockchain investments with our energy-specific program, so we're seeing some interesting things. Uh, for example, we have one company that's building smart contracts, allowing people with renewable energy to exchange energy on a peer-to-peer -peer basis. We have another company that's developing demand response energy tokens so that users can actually monetize on their energy efficiency and savings at home by getting payment via the utility or through another partner to the user that's actually saving the energy through a utility token. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. So they're using a tokenized model. So there's like a tokenized assets model mm -hmm. to implement essentially kind of a peer-to-peer -peer energy exchange. Exactly. Okay. So uh, just a quick follow-up question about that. I mean, what what does it mean to, to have peer-to-peer -peer, uh, energy exchange? Because I'm, I'm just trying to understand myself too. Because I, I, I read that in the state of Illinois have uh, has approved a, a project. It's called Next Grid, I think, mm -hmm. if I recall. Yeah. So what does that mean exactly? And and is the state of Missouri going to approve that kind of project anytime soon? You know, I think it's probably going to be approved quicker on the coasts okay. uh, or specifically like on the West Coast where we're having a large adoptance of renewable platforms like solar. Mm -hmm. And so I'll give you an example of what a use case would be like with this okay. software. Yeah. So say, for example, you have solar panels on your home and I do not. My energy bill is rising for that particular month. And instead of me continuing to purchase energy from the energy provider, I want to come to you and say, hey, will you give me a more competitive rate? I'll purchase my energy for you because you've been harvesting the solar and you actually have access energy, for example. And so we could work out a differing rate that would be lower and more competitive than what the energy provider would provide. And I could purchase that from you. And that entire transaction would be performed in a smart contract on the blockchain that would allow that uh, mechanism to take place. And so what's interesting too is you can actually build these contracts that it's not just a financial exchange. It could actually create almost a bartering system so that you could, I could say, how about I buy your groceries for you next week and in exchange, you lend me some of your energy. And so it actually creates brand new business models that don't even exist right now for how you can transact energy on a peer-to-peer -peer basis.
why are they more promising on, on the coast in terms of the, the early adoption? Because I just think on the coast, there is more regulatory friendly environments for adopting renewable energies okay. right now. And also just on the West Coast specifically, they're getting you know, okay. access yep. to sunlight on a much more basis, things like that. Yeah. yeah, I've heard of similar projects, maybe the design slightly different, but um, experimenting in, in Puerto Rico, mm-hmm. right? With the uh, recent disaster, there have been a, a lot of uh, folks who have tried to contribute the, the, their own ways to restore electricity and power, but at the same time mm-hmm. to infuse with um, kind of a, 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 a tech innovation to it. Yeah. So that's an interesting value proposition. Mm-hmm. So let's quickly talk about the, the panel um, that you participated in today. The panel is on inclusive finance, but in your mind, what does inclusive finance mean and and why is blockchain a part of that solution? So I think to me, inclusive finance means being able to provide financial products and financial services to underserved populations or to populations that never had access to traditional financial services before. Right. So, you know, there's billions of people around the world that have never had access to a bank account but they do have access to a mobile device. And through that mobile device, these individuals can now download cryptocurrency applications and transact monetary value from one party to another. And that never was able to happen before, before blockchain technology. So that is really going to provide huge opportunity for inclusion on a global scale to take individuals who could never meet the standards of conventional lending or or banking services and then provide them these applications and these products in order for them to participate in this global financial community. So are there any projects that inspires you in this this social impact realm of blockchain? Yeah, so we actually have a company that we invested in. It's called Ripple Nami, and they're based. Ripple Nami, how do you spell that? Ripple Nami. It's R I P P L E N A M I, and they're deploying solutions throughout Africa and other underserved or uh, developing regions. And basically, what they're providing is a GPS tracking on blockchain for a lot of different use cases. But a specific one they launched, and I believe it was in Sierra Leone recently, is uh, allowing farmers to put a a key that's associated with their livestock and their cattle. And that will get tagged on the blockchain, allowing them to better track their livestock moving around. And what that has to do with financial inclusion is before these farmers, um, they have this all these livestock they're trying to manage. It could get stolen. It could get lost. But now they can actually track where this livestock is more effectively. And that's providing the opportunity to buy, sell, trade, and exchange this livestock to others. So that's helping them contribute to this financial system as well. Okay. I what got me originally excited and very um, interested in the social impact uh, of this technology is the M-Pesa project, and I think they launched in, in Kenya, and okay. now it's just actively in almost the entire African continent. Mm-hmm. They're leveraging that Bitcoin infrastructure to really kind of expand access to a, a lot of the, the individuals, retailers, and businesses there. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so I, it's, it's very interesting to, to hear them um, how you are, are involved in additional social impact projects mm-hmm. in this space. To bring it back to St. Louis, now, you know, I'm curious, why set up an office in St. Louis? Like, why not Boston or Silicon Valley, where, where there's a more robust uh, uh, environment? You know, is, is there something about the Midwest, particularly this city, that keeps you here? Yeah, for sure. So I'll talk a little bit as to what I've experienced, but also the feedback we've experienced from the companies that have gone through our program. And so out of the 100 plus companies we've invested in, about 
85% of those companies have stayed in St. Louis following the program. And these have been investments made from all over the world. And so what we've learned is that first and foremost, just from a pure cost perspective, you're going to be paying approximately one fifth from a cost of living perspective in St. Louis than what you're going to be paying on the coast. So significant savings in what you're spending, but also allowing your investment dollars to stretch a lot further within the business to help accelerate your growth. And also the opportunity for connectivity in St. Louis is pretty remarkable. So we, through our program, have had a great track record of getting our companies in front of key decision makers and large organizations. It's What we've noticed is that we can get them into the CEOs or executive level staff at major corporations. You just can't do that in Silicon Valley in New York. You know, you're not going to have the opportunity for us to connect you into a corporation that could be a massive enterprise client for you and you within a couple of weeks be able to go meet with somebody on the executive level staff. So we've noticed that there's a very open embrace of people in St. Louis really wanting to learn more about the startup community, see how they can contribute, see how they can help develop the ecosystem. And by engaging with them and providing that critical feedback that these startups need at their early stages and pilot project and becoming customers as well, we're seeing the corporates and the startups really engage a lot better than I think we've seen sometimes on the coast. And because of that, we're seeing companies stay. And also just the entrepreneurial ecosystem in general has skyrocketed in St. Louis over the last 10 years and you know multiple times in the last year or two, we've been ranked as one of the top startup cities in the United States. Forbes just came out, I think it was last week or the week before, ranking St. Louis as the number two city in the country for entrepreneurial growth and startup activity again. So. Yeah, um, and it looks like other entrepreneurs share your line of thinking as, as well. There's a, a gradual shift away from Silicon Valley to, to other cities like, like Boston, Seattle, and here we are, St. Louis too. Well, lastly, I just found out something very interesting about you is that you are a, a polymath of some sort. I have listened to a, a podcast uh, interview of him, and he was sharing his thoughts about uh, mindfulness and, and meditation and really how to amp, how to 10x your productivity. Can you perhaps uh, give some, some highlights of that? Of course, um, yeah. Share with folks. So for a long time, I've been super engaged in meditation and just trying to enhance my human potential to see how I can become a better version of myself every single day. And I really started to analyze things like meditation, things like changes in my diet, things like changes in the water that I consume and analyzing like is there what levels of fluoride are in this water that I'm consuming and how does that affect my body and then different types of changes in exercise. And it, it really uh, revolves around human consciousness and trying to enhance your human potential. And so I've been doing this for many years, but over the course of the last seven years, I really started tracking the effectiveness of how certain tweaks in these things could really help enhance what I think is my human state of consciousness and awareness to help me elevate myself in my personal and my professional career and also help me better enhance synchronicities that occur in my life that I can recognize and then measure them with the data behind them to help me make better decisions. And so it's really trying to figure out how can you take our natural born intuitive capabilities that we were, um, that all of us have inside of us and figuring out how can you enhance that to make you a better person. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> that uh, reminds me of Tim Ferriss and you know meeting folks like Tim Ferriss uh, who's really kind of up close and personal guy, but uh, now I get to meet the Midwest version of Dr. <laughs> Ferraris. And so, again, if folks uh, want to reach out to you, you know, remind them uh, of your name and how they would um, get in contact with you. Absolutely. Yes. So my name is Brian Dixon. And the best way to reach out to me is you can go through 
my website at briandixon.business. Um, I got a contact form on there. I've got more information. I have the Bitcoin and cryptocurrency books that I've written are available there for free, along with my other articles and podcasts that I've been fortunate enough to be featured in. And also on the consciousness subject, my fiance and business partner have recently released our, a new book called Intuition to Innovation, which basically tracks and shows what we've been doing over the last seven years to enhance our human potential. So we, you can purchase that on Amazon. You can also access the link through briandixon.business. Yes. Thank you, Brian. Uh, thank you for being with us. Thank you much. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for listening to a Bit Cryptic podcast. A Bit Cryptic podcast is hosted by Alain Leon, Dang Du, and myself, Jeff Peterson. Show notes are by our editor-in-chief, Dang Du. Website is by Sammy Toucan and his team at Pack Surge Media. Remember, nothing we say in this show is meant to be financial advice. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends and family. Thank you for listening. And remember, keep it cryptic.